0: What I can see happening is that we won't be talking about AI in a few years' time. It will just get consumed into some software. Just plug and play.
1: Hello and welcome to Minter Dialogue, episode number 321. Today is Sunday the 31st of March 2019. And this interview is with Katie King. Katie's a keynote speaker and consultant on AI and digital transformation. She runs Zudikers, a consultancy and content marketing agency, and she's also the author of the brand new book, AI in Marketing. AI in Marketing looks at how AI and machines are reshaping the business landscape. In this conversation with Katie, we dig into the usages of AI in marketing, how companies should approach onboarding AI in their sales and marketing efforts. The difference between personification and personalization. And we hear from Katie about many useful tips for marketers who are looking to drive their business and their brand with tech. Welcome to the Minter Dialogue podcast, where we discuss branding and all things digital. I'm Minter Dial, your host, and you'll find the show notes on my eponymous site, minterdial.com. Enjoy the show, Katie King. Great to have you on the show. You and I met on a panel, and uh, it was great fun to meet you. You're obviously a long in the tooth expert in AI in marketing, and there can't be that many of you around. Katie, in your own words, who are you? Welcome. Hi, Winter.
0: Thank you very much for, uh, for introducing me. So yes, I'm Katie King. I have just published um, a book last month. It comes out um, just today in the US as well, and it's called Using Artificial Intelligence in Marketing, How to Harness AI and Maintain the Competitive Advantage. So uh, I am 52, I've been in marketing for 30 years. Um, I am on the UK's all-party parliamentary group, um, which is looking at the adoption of AI in enterprise. So, yeah, I've got many hats, um, but primarily I'm helping clients to genuinely look at their business goals and look at you know how they can achieve those how they can satisfy customer needs how they can look at new technologies so you know it's not about hype and jumping on a bandwagon it's about genuine utilization of these kinds of tools you know to achieve what they're setting out to achieve as a business
1: a busy lady um and (laughs) running a company called ai in fm and of course that's not necessarily a radio station what is ai (laughs) in fm
0: AI and FM, so AI in facilities management, which is an industry sector I've been really heavily involved in for about 10 years. It spans the built environment, property, construction, real estate. So it's very exciting. It sounds dull, but it's actually very cool. It's to do with smart cities and uh, those sorts of areas. And in the book, I feature brands and organizations like Jones Lang LaSalle and other FM companies. So yeah, AI in FM and AI in marketing are companies that I run.
1: Brilliant. So um, let's talk about AI in marketing, which is the subject of your new book, Using Artificial Intelligence in Marketing, How to Harness AI and Maintain the Competitive Edge, published by Kogan. Um, so marketing or AI in marketing, are we late to the game? Are we early to the game? Where are we? And if I'm a marketer, should I be sweating bullets?
0: Yeah, great question Minta. um it's certainly one of the if you think of marketing as a as a job function and as an industry segment, it's one of the early adopters of AI so we're talking here of companies who are using AI embedded software for email personalization, for predictive analytics, those sorts of areas and so in a area of fourth generation technologies, um, which is AI, it's on the hype curve of the Gartner hype cycle. So generally, AI is pretty early, but within it, marketing is quite well established. But we're certainly not late to the game. And there are many people getting real, deriving real benefit from AI and marketing, but it's still quite early days.
1: In your book, Katie, you um, also talk about this being the fifth revolution of AI, because AI, of course, has been around for a long time. So we're in the fourth industry, the fifth generation of AI, which makes me think that it's highly evolved. You also mentioned a survey by eConsultancy that said that about uh, 29% of the marketers in the survey believe that they'll be using AI in marketing by the end of 2019. That's how I read it. Indeed, yeah. So if I am uh, in marketing, should I, I not be creating a marketing strategy and if I don't have, a sorry, an AI strategy and if I don't have an AI strategy, shouldn't I be getting one PDQ?
0: You definitely need to get one PDQ. Um, the The e-consultancy stats that you mentioned there, Minter, are... Um, They are accurate. I believe by the end of this year, many, many marketers, meaning a third practically, will be using AI in some form or another and probably are already, you know, in terms of AI being in in certain search um, technologies, in Facebook um, picture recognition, various algorithms. We're probably all using it much more than we realize. But many, many marketers by the end of this year will be using it. It might be um, CRM, for example, Einstein, it might be some plug and play from Amazon Web Services, um, you know, linked to market research. So I think those stats are accurate. Um, and you're absolutely right. Everybody does need to get a strategy. They don't need to just jump on the bandwagon and spend thousands of pounds on, on a chatbot. But they do need to look around the market to look at what their needs are, what their clients needs are, their customers needs are, and work out if AI is tools could be used to actually help automate some of that.
1: So, you know, you and I were talking in there, there really, there are a thousand, well, anyway, there are over a thousand different services out there. You have this pressure to do it. And uh, just with the same types of pressures of getting digital transformation, how does one articulate an AI strategy and therefore the types of selections of which services that I Mm. should be using Help us through that.
0: Yeah. So in the book, I feature not only case studies of successes, but failures. And the failures are to do with the objectives of the organization and who the stakeholders in that organization are. So, for example, a Swiss bank implemented a chatbot strategy But it was too early. It was too early for clients because the clients found once they started interacting with it, it was quite limited and therefore they found it gimmicky and staff just weren't on board. So, as a key stakeholder in the organization, staff felt threatened and didn't really know how to respond to it. So, that's a roundabout way of answering your question and it really means that we need to identify what's our goal so do we want to be an innovator with ai do we want to are we comfortable being a follower and somebody who's going to be maybe following up on it in a couple of years time and therefore more of a a laggard so it's multifaceted and so in the book i have a scorecard and you can score yourself across 10 categories and that's to do with goals of the organization mindset Do you have the C-suite support, you know, the support from chief executive, chief technology officer? You know, what's the culture of the organization? What sort of investment are you prepared to make? So it's not just as simple as saying, here are uh, a thousand AI tech disruptors who, if you've got the money, can help you with your AI for CRM or your AI for content creation or market research. They're out there you know how does that work with your staff how does that work with the retraining how does that work with what kind of an agency or company you want to be so you know it it's very very complex and what we don't want is after this you know all of your listeners open up their shopping bag and go and buy some AI we're not mandating that we're saying look around your market decide what stage of your business is where you want to be and really go and do some in-depth research about the tools that are on the market. Make sure they're not fly-by-nights. Make sure they have, you know, experience of helping companies like you. That's what I would say.
1: Well, it sounds very much like the same challenge with digital in general, because in the end of the day, there are many digital tools. And as you say in in your book, or, or you quote somebody in particular, he says that of all the tools that are out there, AI is the numero uno, it's the kingpin, it's the big juice.
0: Many people I interviewed did say that. Um, You're absolutely right. I think there is this, you know, huge desire to, to actually implement it And, you know, many, many people are now recommending you go and implement it. But my only caution is just to make sure that it is helping to satisfy and meet, you know, real business problems. That's all I would say, or else you can waste a lot of time and effort. But, you know, people definitely need to go out there. They need, you know, to consider what I call the three D's, the dirty, dull and dangerous. So are there some AI tools that can help you in whatever your business function is? And it's not just marketing and sales. It could be H. It could be operations. And I touch on a few related similar examples in the book with BT and, and so on. You know, what's that business function? And is there a tool on the market that can automate that for you, which is kind of linked to your the beginning of, of this wider question to do with AI being around for 50 or so years? AI has had, you know, since just after the war, you know, five, four or so decades of being in what we describe as a sort of an AI winter, where there's been, it's been feasible, technically possible, but there hasn't been the uh, cheaper processing power. But most importantly, there hasn't been the data. So why it's now in its AI summer and why everybody's jumping on it is that um, we've had 10 years of smartphones. And so we've got this huge amount of data. And that's what we need people to consider. What's that doing? How do I analyze that data? What does that mean about the kind of people I hire or the kind of clients and which services they use from me or the best email heading for my successful marketing campaign? That's really what we're talking about.
1: Brilliant. Well, I want to just circle before we get back into that, because there's a lot of interesting things within what you just said. You mentioned this term "dirty, dull, and dangerous." That's right. So I have to take you up on that to understand, because in the end of the day, the the way I read that is, it just sends me straight to ethics. When we talk about dirty and we talk about dangerous, and 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 as you all know, marketers tend to use and abuse, and there is a major ethical question. So, just let us know what mm. you mean, Katie, by sure. D- d- I don't dull and mean
0: I don't mean limited to marketing if I'm completely honest Minter I mean AI can now be used to go in and decommission landmines you know, AI is being used IBM Watson in oncology for amazing activity. You know, number crunching down thousands of cases of of cancer detection and so on. So, you know, you you get you get the dirty bit, you get the dangerous, the dirty you know, work, the dirty yeah. work as
1: opposed to the naughty work. <laughs> yeah.
0: So the, the the dangerous is obvious; it could be used for, for those kinds of um, e- examples. Um, the dirty, yeah, we get, and the dull could just be the repetition. Competition. And that could be marketers who you know, I'm going back to my career twenty, you know, thirty years ago, and even my team today who have to do some quite laborious uh, data crunching tasks, manual tasks of searching and finding and so on, and that could be automated. So what you as a marketeer or a digital person do in terms of going and finding all the sources, knowing who the Twitter handles are, you know, knowing what to write, what the data is, the AI could do that for you. But you're absolutely right. It does bring us into ethical issues. It does bring us into issues related to job losses and so on. And my belief is that AI will fundamentally change the nature of many, many of the tasks that all of us do in every walk of business aspects of what an hr manager does aspects of what a you know an operational person does and the same with a marketing pr salesperson rather than completely wiping out whole-scale jobs
1: katie you you uh, we were just talking just before about data and um as you know i work a lot in this space and and my tendency is to say where there's data there's an opportunity for ai mm-hmm. you know good data good ai <laughs> shit in shit out yeah <laughs> and as i like to say um ciso i uh, you mentioned in your book and it was something I, I hadn't really you know cottoned onto before and i really liked this notion of personification versus mm. personalization so tell us what that means as a marketer
0: absolutely so um In fact, they get used quite interchangeably, um, particularly by IBM Watson. And, you know, what we're really talking about there, I have a a chapter in my book about the paradox of personalization. And we're really thinking there about um, people's fears I've parents of you know 70 and 80 years old, and they're really really worried about technology, and you know they can no longer go to the bank in their local high street and so on. But for many of us, you know, particularly when we are digital and we're able to access online services. AI shouldn't be feared, and we should be thinking about AI not so much with regard to artificial intelligence but augmented intelligence. And that therefore means that we can offer people a really personalized service. And Sheriff Mityas from TGI Fridays talks about that in the book. If you, with our GDPR-compliant hat on, give me authorization as TGI Fridays to use your data, then I am going to give you back a very, very personalized service when you come into my restaurant or when you phone in or when you come in via the app to book. I know you're vegan. I know it's your daughter's birthday and so on. So that's what we mean by, you know, really the really, really personalized service.
1: And yet there's this notion of fear not just by your parents but as a parent of your kids uh being spied on um being manipulated by different uh, advertising methodologies there there are lots of opportunities to be spooked by being you know what do you mean it's my daughter's birthday excuse me how do you know i have a daughter
0: Mm -hmm. you're right you're right and that's where it is a worry and i interviewed various people for the book who are you know data scientists cognitive scientists and some are genuinely worried about that extension of that into you know cyber and phishing and all of the interrelated um security issues that go with it it's it's a huge worry because it's being owned at the moment who owns ai you know Nobody owns it. It's free, um, open-source software that, uh, whether you're IBM Watson or one of these new tech disruptors or somebody in-house who's hired somebody with the right degree to develop it in-house, you're all able to go and code in Python and and so on TensorFlow, and, and it's open. However... What you could argue is that the big players, the IBM Watsons, Adobe Sensei, Amazon Web Services, these major organizations, you know, are stealing a march on everybody else. And what I can see happening is that we won't be talking about AI in a few years time. It will just get consumed into some software, just plug and play and it would just be another app it would just be another you know it would be built in when you buy your next you know um apple mac or your you know windows whatever it might be it would just be in there and we won't care what it is just like our iPhones, we don't care what the tech is behind that app. We just use it. So that dominance and uh, and we've you know we've seen the scandals around Facebook, Cambridge Analytica, you know all kinds of concerns. And th- that's where I want to play a role with the task force I'm involved in, and many many other people are in joining up all of these dots and making sure the right people are talking and that there is that collaboration, that we have the regulatory frameworks and and so on. That's huge.
1: Going back to something you said at the very beginning, Katie, about the utilization of AI and we may not be aware. I was just thinking as you were you're talking, maybe I'm using it even though I'm not aware. To put it mm. this way, I'm I'm obviously just a sole trader and it's not exactly... I don't exactly have a, an AI budget or an AI strategy, but when I type an email to you, Katie, in Gmail, uh, I get to tab forward numerous times during my email as it anticipates, predicts mm-hmm. what I want to use, and is therefore using AI to help me communicate with Katie. So at some level, Katie, I'm just thinking, actually everybody is everybody is already using AI.
0: We are. You're right, Minta. Um, the example, you know, that example you gave, the, the chat, you know, the, the Siri, the Cortana, the Hive heating devices, the Facebook image recognition. I upload a picture, you and I are in it tag Minter, you know all of those are, are ai elements you're absolutely right you know that's why i think intuitively the younger generation are growing up with that acceptance of it and they're quite happy with it um, but there were some studies in the book and people were freely giving away certain elements of their data but were a bit reluctant to give away other aspects of it so for it to be truly truly useful um, you know, now particularly in a, in a post GDPR world, you know we do need to know what we're signing up for. That's really important.
1: That's us as a consumer, which leads me back to the the posture as a business to be more in the personification as opposed to the personalization, because the personification means I'm being a little less intrusive, a little less incisive into Katie's private life.
0: Yes, I think you're right. I think you're right. The the personalization can only come if we do give that data freely, absolutely. And
1: therefore we build trust. So yes. if I if I'm a marketer sitting in my office listening to this or hopefully walking somewhere pleasurable, uh-huh. um, how am I going to start thinking about the opportunities for AI? So I've I've got a lot of things I have to think about you mentioned before, context, culture and, and so many other elements, but in the big buckets of things that I'm doing, I think of um, forecasting. I think of uh, you know my social media management. I mm. think of my email management my c r m How do you start thinking through where are the biggest opportunities? in my business, in marketing, and Mm. where I can start looking for one of those thousand opportunities that are out there?
0: Yeah, that's a really good question. I mean, an obvious start point is to have a look at the book. (laughs) In the book, you know, I clearly feature um, dozens of examples of companies who have products that are doing this, you know, Conversica, Concurred, Curiously, I'm I'm mentioning them. Um, But the key is to stay up to speed daily hourly weekly um you know with this so you know good sources whether that's Gartner Forrester um you know e-consultancy people like that podcasts like this the truth is it's a moving movable feast and it's you know it there are new startups all the time so do you just want to go with the latest one do you want to have a look around the market and and find out you know what's being featured and some good case studies of of how it's actually being used so I think certainly a start point is what's your objective um, then you're really analyzing, you know, do we want to innovate? Do Are we prepared to kind of fall behind a little bit? Then you're actually going out to the market and doing a competitive review through books, through analyst research, through podcasts like this. You're drilling down based on the key function. So what are your core services that you believe could benefit? from that automation or, you know, what um, are your highest margin services that, again, could really benefit from it and see what those solutions are. Um, I've got some, you know, good examples. There was a piece published um, last year, which is AI in the UK um, industry landscape 2018, and it features, um, breaks it down into marketing, advertising, HR. So again, those kinds of sources um, by the big innovation centre are fantastic. They date, again, they date by every few months. So it's staying up to speed and thinking of your business problem and looking critically at who's out there on the market and testing them. Um, many of these are uh, subscription-based tools that you could, for example, use for two or three months for free. So trial them out. Uh, but it's very time-consuming. Mm. You know, it really is because in marketing, you know, in a, like you, I'm a, I'm a small business, but I have potentially at my disposal, you know, 10 or 15 tools I could use. If you're a bigger company with all different aspects of your sales, your marketing, your CRM, your customer service, that could equate to three or four hundred. And they're expensive. And, you know, there's a lot of players in each one that has something to offer. So I think you have to um, find other curators and people who are doing the reviews on your behalf.
1: Mm. So one of the things that was mentioned in your book and i found very instructive one of the interviews said that the the very first play for ai in business as a marketer is loyalty and i found that really insightful a i think that a happy customer is the best type of customer because they're going to come back and we'll talk about you but beyond that, there was the, this sort of nice intertwine between data, trust, and opt-in, and therefore some kind of AI play, knowing that if we're outsourcing our relationship with our best customers, is that really the best idea? So mm-hmm. I, I was there, it made me ponder this notion, really, because ultimately you need to make your loyal customers the happiest of
0: customer. Absolutely. Yeah, no, you're it's a really good point. Um, you know, clients, customers are interested in how it can solve their problems, aren't they? So, you know, if you are looking at the customer journey and you're looking at what the different plays are along that customer journey, if AI can improve that experience for the customer, if AI can help the customer solve their problems in a more innovative, interesting, fun way, um, in a way that is cost effective um, and innovative and has a USP perhaps compared to others in the market, then that's going to be important too. Um, So, there are, as you say, Minter, some great examples of that in the book. But I would also add to that that I think much of this at the moment is being led from the point of view of the technology means it's possible and it's being thrust at people rather than in true marketing sense being a real customer problem to which these tech disruptors have a solution to the need. It's not, you know, in the same way, we didn't need an iPhone before the iPhone came along. It helped us achieve a means to an end and communicate and do many, many things over one cool new innovative type of device. So I think, you know, AI, as long as it is going to help um, clients and customers solve needs or, derive some fun and some benefit from a new way of operating and communicating then you know that, that's the way to kind of view it
1: you you used the word thrust and mm. uh, it led me in my little mind to think about push versus pull
2: mm-hmm.
1: and at some level the old mindset was all about push, Katie pushed me back and tell me that marketers can use AI for better pull, not just for push.
0: Yes, they definitely can. And I agree with you. And so I've always been in public relations in an editorial, which is, you know, about third-party credibility and, 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 you know, telling people, kind of pushing things out there. But ultimately, kind of, it only really works when people have a need for it. And it kind of like pulls it through. I think AI has a a role to play in push and pull. You know, AI will be used by salespeople to maximize the number of calls they make, to maximize and optimize the best email heading so it's still going to be used to thrust things at people but the smart people will use it for pull you know they will use it to to help give people what they need and people will keep coming back for more and and kind of wanting that and requesting it so it's multifaceted again
1: i certainly think that that is where the gold will be but as you mentioned before you know people are using ai not just the you know the silly little email example i gave before but in a more serious manner and you were saying that a lot of times the initial initiative is around efficiency cost savings which yes. is kind of trying to be more effective in a mass market environment because in the end of the day there is a big issue in marketing in mass market consumer-facing companies, which is there's just too much volume to
0: deal with. There is, yeah. I mean, without a doubt, the AI will be able, is already helping lawyers, consultants in medicine, marketeers, um, you know, do things in hours that used to take staff Days and weeks to do, whether that's the new lawyers in a firm that are down in the basement that are crunching through cases, whether it's the consultants in oncology, you know, in medicine, or whether it's the marketeers doing things that take, you know, time. So, without a doubt, that reshapes job functions. Um, but again, I can't see it whole scale being used to the point anywhere soon, certainly for the next six months, that means mass unemployment but I think it changes the nature of the work we do. Um, But, you know, only if people are prepared to reskill and have an open mindset and do things differently will they stay in those jobs because their job might change to the point where 50% of what they're doing is different and therefore their boss is saying, okay, that's fine. Either you go to a three-day week or you now need to be retrained to do this, this, this. And if people are in their comfort zones and are stuck and aren't prepared, you know, to evolve and HR teams don't train them and so on, then that will lead to them losing jobs.
1: So it could be either exciting, excruciating or enervating.
0: Absolutely.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So Katie, um, if you and maybe when you speak to younger generations who are interested in getting into marketing with this changing landscape, what advice do you give them about getting into marketing these days?
0: Well, that's a really good question. And I do get asked um, regularly, you know, to give advice to people's kids and, you know, nieces and, and, and so on. And I go around quite a lot of schools and universities. It depends if they are literally on that point and they're in in university and they're about to graduate. It's going to be a very different story to someone who's got an 8 to 10-year-old who's still got, you know, 8 or 9 years of of, of education to go through. But it boils down to, um, again, working out, you know, what they're really interested in. Because marketing's huge, let's be honest. You know, you could be doing digital marketing, you could be doing editorial, you could be doing consultancy market research. So... And again, what's the industry sector they're really interested in? Because the pace at which it's evolving in retail and financial services is very different to the pace it's evolving in, say, manufacturing. So I think you can't force somebody who's really creative and great at writing to be great at physics if they're not great at maths and physics they're not going to be somebody who can go down the path of data science so i think it's wrong to be saying you know you've got to encourage people to get into ai from a data science point of view you can't if people are smart in school um, and a brainy with regard to sciences then i think this is an amazing sector to get involved in But if they're not and they're bent and their, you know, their kind of strength is creative writing, English and and, and so on and business, then again, I think they could look at AI as a really good career path. But fundamentally, we're also talking about um, everybody being able to. Uh, you know, show empathy, show creativity and things that at the moment and for probably the foreseeable future, the AI can't do. But again, things are gonna change. The world's gonna change dramatically over the next five to ten years, but certainly in the in the coming few years, you know, but they certainly need to be reading, staying interested, signing up for podcasts, staying on top of what the you know, the, 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 the Gartners, the the press, the analysts are all doing and saying about it. You know, there's there's Facebook groups, there's um, conferences and, you know, again, they might be interested in different industry sectors. So look at what the industry bodies are saying, whether that's the Chartered Institute of Marketing or the Association of Accounting Practitioners. You know, let's kind of like keep tabs on all of these different ways, which, again, is a huge ask Um, (laughs) is a huge ask.
1: Well, um, Katie, uh, of course, like you, interested in languages and literature, and that's my background, certainly that speaks to me. One of the things I, I liked also in your book is you talk about promoting the idea of the whole brain, so the the rational plus the creative. And, and maybe that's as a marketer hiring perspective. Make sure you get whole brain people. But if you're a kid, uh, don't forget to put in front of the hirer uh, both sides of your qualities, not just that I'm a total creative and an empath. Maybe also find ways to, to present a more rational side of you.
0: That's really good advice. But it's going to be down to um, the hiring teams to hire teams of collaborators who maybe have a mixed set of those skills rather than expecting one person to be able to offer all of them but no that's good advice
1: fair point katie how can someone follow you track you down buy your book mysteriously
0: (laughs) so you can find me on twitter at at katie king k-a-t-i-e-e-k-i-n-g um just put katie king ai and marketing and you can find me pretty easily on on linkedin katie king zudikers is my um instagram and my facebook or just drop me an email at katie at com.
1: i'll put all that into the show notes as well as many of the other things you referenced uh, during the call thanks for coming on the show katie
0: Brilliant show and brilliant questions, Minter. Thank you so much for having me. My pleasure. Thanks for
1: having listened to this recording of the Minter Dialogue Show. You'll find the show notes and other blog posts on MinterDial.com. If you enjoyed the show, please like the handy Facebook button, or better yet, head over to iTunes to give a rating and review. But first, relax to Joss Sachs's Finger Paint.
2: Oh, fill me all your colors any different way to rid me of the gray and heal me with all your imperfections that you mention in your their own disgusting values We'd hang our portraits in and- With all your favorite shows